If you want this podcast free of ads, follow us now on patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is podcast time. And I think, John, it's fair to say that summer is here. Summer is it's warm. Here. Yeah. It's Vespa weather. Have you been out? Well, you see, it was very cold over the last month. So I was only out every now and you then. You need one of those little blankets no, over here. They're no. really uncool. Like but they're the, very warm. Like an Italian practical. granddad. Exactly. <laughs> Just call me Jeppy. <laughs> No, but I think now the it's it's all out. The sun's up. I can I can sense. What's the other key thing that sparks off the summer? Hay fever, in my case. The Dorky Book Festival. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, in fact, we launched it this week. Launched it this week. It is going to be fantastic. We're doing it from the Martello Tower. I know. And it's, it's brilliant. It it looks amazing. I saw the promo you did on and, the Twitter machine. Yeah, no, and it's it was, amazing. But we have Brian Cox. Yes. Professor Brian Cox, I know yeah. you're a big fan. A huge fan. And a sweetheart. And he's going to be talking about the world, the sky, the whole thing. We've got Isabel Allende, who is the daughter of Allende, who was killed in the Chilean coup in 1973, President Allende. Oh, right. So an amazing book, House of Spirits, right. which is probably, it's in that magic realism genre, you know, the mm. Latin American stuff, you know. We have Elif Shafak, yeah. Turkish writer, yeah. really, really amazing. And then, of course, we have a podcast, a live podcast oh, by you. <laughs> My me, nerves are up already. <laughs> and Stephanie Kelton, the woman behind Joe Biden's economics. She's brilliant. She's yeah. been on this podcast several times. And she's, and she's brilliant every time. We also, and President Michael D is coming. Oh. Michael D is going to come. He's going to talk about home. He's going to talk about the European street. He's going to talk about everything like that. We're doing Dante, of course. We're doing Joyce. We're doing Yeats. Like lots of literature. Yeah. Lots yeah. of current affairs. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really exceptional. An eclectic mix. It's always an eclectic mix. So get your tickets, John. 50 quid for 23 events. That's pretty good value. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah 23 really brilliant. good. And we have two or three really big names yet to come. That I'll tell you about next week. Yet to come. Maybe Excellent. next week or the week Excellent. after. Really, really big names. Just doing the final little bits of jiggery-pokery behind the scenes. So all is good. Dorkybookfestival.org. Tickets. 50 quid, 23 events, one tower, one weekend. It's going to be a hoot. 
So what is um, on your mind these days, Mr. D? Well, do you know what's been kind of rattling my cage this week? A cage that is easily rattled, it must be said. (laughs) It must be said. Is these fellas coming in and buying up our estates? The vulture funds. Or I say, what is it? It's not a vulture fund, it's cuckoo Yeah, it's like a general avian fund. Right, Like a pigeon fund or whatever. (laughs) Yes. No, it's it's a big deal. I think, but how does this, how is this allowed to happen? The history of this, very briefly. Yeah, give us a, a rundown. Um, two things going on. One, 2010, Ireland is bust. Yeah, yeah. No money. No, the banks are bust. There's no way of actually financing anything. Yeah. So the government at the time, I think it's Michael Noonan is the finance minister, thinks we need to get some demand in here, somebody to buy Irish houses. Imagine That's that. fair enough, yeah. The government's obsession, you're talking about negative equity, bus banks, all that sort of stuff. So their obsession is how do we get, it's called a balance sheet recession we had. There's an economist called Richard Koo is very good in this. And it's basically what happens when the balance sheet breaks, right? And that's what happened to us. So the recession in Ireland in 2000, say 2008 to 2014, was a function of and the result of a broken balance sheet. Right. So we borrowed all this money to buy houses, people had. Mm -hmm. And house prices collapse, but the debts that we encouraged to buy those houses still remain the same. Yeah, yeah. So basically your, your balance sheet is broken. So the state said, okay, what we've got to do is drive house prices back up again, Yeah. right, in order to repair the balance sheet. But we've no buyers here because we've no banking system. So they said, here's a great little wheeze, which is these things called REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, which are basically pooled. Money. And actually this entire podcast today is going to be about the difference between impatient and patient capital, right? Right. What so do you mean by impatient that? Impatient capital is capital that wants to return every quarter, every year, all the time. Yeah. Which are these REITs, right? They pretend they're long-term investors, but they're not, right? They're little, what I would call little boilerplate companies. So basically what happens is an Irish REIT is set up, right? And these people go to the likes of Goldman Sachs and they say, listen, we can promise you 5% return or some mm. high return. Mm. So Goldman Sachs says, okay, here's 100 million euros, right? Or 200 million or 300 million, right? They give it to the REIT and then the REIT has to go out and deploy that capital in Ireland. It claims that it's a long-term investor, but in actual fact, it's got to report back to Goldman Sachs every quarter and give them quarterly results. Yeah. So that means they are- And guarantee that 5%. Maybe not guarantee it, but suggest that these are the the rates they're going to get, Mm. right? So therefore, it is an inpatient capitalist, right? On the other hand, we have long-term capital, which is patient capital. But let me just come back to So the reason the REITs were there in the first place was the government decided we have to give tax breaks, of course. It's Ireland, you've got to give tax breaks, mm. as we do, to property investors to boost the property market. Was there a reason for them to be around 10 years ago? Yeah, maybe. Is there a reason now? No. Right. Not at all, because we don't need the capital. But so initially it was a good idea. Because in initially order to, was, get, to get, the, the, get some money flowing back through the economy... Offload well, some of these properties. All but, that stuff, yeah. Yeah, but at the end of the day, there was no time limit put on Well, out. I think basically what happens in a crisis, a couple of things happen in crisis, but in a crisis you never, ever are faced with a decision which is a decision between good and bad. The decision in a crisis is always bad and worse. Right. Right? Okay, yeah, so yeah, is yeah, the decision yeah. a bad one or is it a worse one, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was 10 years ago. The fact that these guys are around now is ridiculous, right? But... 
what strikes me is it's, it's about we've got to make a choice in this country about what type of society we are. This is a much, much bigger issue. Yeah. And I was reading today about Joe Biden giving away the vaccine. And I think there's a link, right? Oh, yeah. So Joe Biden wants the pharmaceutical companies to give the vaccine away for free. Yeah. And Go, that's, Joe. that stems from an individual called Jonas Salk. Have you ever heard of him? Do you know, I actually have, but go on, tell us so the So Jonas details. Salk was an American medical researcher who spent the 1940s, most of the 40s, trying to find a vaccine for polio. Polio was a big killer in this country, okay? Polio, yeah. but particularly in the third world, and it deforms you. So yeah, you, might, yeah. you might even see it now. You might see older people around yeah, now with deformed legs and whatever, right? That's right. Very, very unusual now because of the vaccine. So Salk in 1955, introduces this vaccine. And he's a very interesting character, Salk, right? He had been the lover of the mistress and muse of Picasso. So he was like, he was like, when... <laughs> see, I love these little sidebars. Oh, That's great. You go, go on, love go on, it, go right? go Okay, you see, this is when nerds get it, okay? <laughs> right? this, is, this is like the first nerd who realised, man, I'm yeah. clever, and the girls like clever. So Picasso <laughs> had this extraordinary lover called... Francois Guillot. So yeah. Francois Guillot is Picasso's muse and mistress. Okay. A notoriously difficult woman, right? By all <laughs> accounts, right? But beautiful, glamorous, fantastic, a great artist in herself. And in actual fact, she wrote a book about herself and Picasso because they divorced, of course. They didn't, even, they didn't get married. So they separated, a very, very brutal separation. But she wrote a book about living with Picasso mm. in 1967, which was a huge bestseller. But... Salk, our friend, yeah, yeah. the medical researcher, ends up marrying her. Okay, right? right. So he ends up marrying her. So he's, he's, so he's, he's an interesting person. He's moving in artistic circles. He's moving in intellectual circles, all that sort of carry on. But what he does, he gives the vaccine away for free, even though he'd worked all his life on it. And people right. asked him, why did you do this? And he said, and I think it's the most beautiful expression, he says, because it, it is our obligation to be good ancestors, meaning we've got to do good things, right? So we've got to leave the world in a better place than we found it. So it's this idea that we inherit the world and the planet and the environment and all this good stuff from people we will never meet because they're dead. And we're going to give it on to people we will never see because they're yet unborn, right? So this this was his idea. So when it comes to, and I understand that when it comes to the vaccine and things, that there's a balancing act between the pharmaceutical companies who say, well, if you give it away for free, we might never actually invest in research again. And the states who say, we've got to give it away for free because that's the good ancestor. So yeah. it's this idea of the good ancestor versus the bad ancestor, the short term versus the long term. Yeah, all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you come to talk about housing in Ireland, I think it's exactly the same intellectual idea. Are we going to be a good citizen, believing in the long term and financing for the long term, or are we going to be a bad citizen hostage to these vulture funds and cuckoo funds and REIT funds? So deep in this question about housing, John, is a much greater question, a philosophical question, about what sort of society do we want and who is banging the drum? Is it the drum of short-term capital? Or the drum of long-term capital. Maybe another way of phrasing that is that are we building a society and an economy for now or for the future? But let me ask you, though, at one stage, 2010, we needed 
the REITs. Yes. And they've run their course now, yeah, but yet they, they're hanging around. Yeah, and, and they shouldn't be given tax breaks. I mean, they don't pay tax. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know I'm swearing, but it's, it's kind of like, snap out of it. Yeah. You're like, what I'm trying to get in my head is the kind of timeline where at one point you're in crisis, you do desperate things. Yeah, desperate to get measures. the hell out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what we didn't do at the time was put conditions on that. And the conditions should have been, this is for 10 years yeah, or the, after 10 years, tax changes or whatever, you know? But you can say like, like, yeah, this is the kick. I mean, if you think about the housing crisis in Ireland, right? The housing crisis in Ireland is, you know, as I've said before, it's a multi-headed hydra, right? From Greek <laughs> mythology. Yeah. Nobody's, yeah. It's got to do with demographics, with finance, with planning. Then it's got to do with planning regulations, it's got to do with the builders, it's got to do with so many things. And those issues are all technical and difficult, but they are fixable. You can fix that. What I think is more deep-seated is this idea to identify and explain to people that what we are in is the most ridiculous and inappropriate distribution of wealth in the country through yeah. the housing market. I keep saying this all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. I totally that agree. It is a heist, right? And it's an intergenerational heist. And we come back to our friends, the first-time buyers. So basically what it is, it's a slow-grinding Ponzi scheme. Yes. Charles Ponzi. Yes. Carlos Ponzi, Italian immigrant into the United States. Yeah. Carlos. So the idea of a Ponzi scheme is that it can only remain on track as long as there are suckers coming in at the bottom of the pyramid to pay for the suckers getting out. Right. right, but they're not the suckers getting out to the people who've done well. So, if you think of the Irish housing market, there is a profound inconsistency which we could term the promise of property. So, the promise of property is if I buy property now and you and I, John, do the right thing, we buy property, we then expect to be bailed out of that decision in 40 years' time when we're older at a massive, massive profit. That's right. what we Okay. But you can only do that if you create a buying class coming behind you who's massively wealthy that can afford that. Right. Right. So there's a. They don't have to be necessarily massively wealthy, do they? They're either massively wealthy or massively in debt. Right. So, for example, if you think, right, if you buy your house, just do the do the math. If you buy your house for a hundred. No, but I'm, I'm, when I'm over the 40 years, there's inflation. There's very little, there's very, very, very little inflation in the economy now. So, for example, wage rates are almost stagnant. Mm. So there's actually very little real inflation, but there's lots of house price inflation. Yeah. So the okay. only way in which people who are coming behind us will have the income to buy our houses from us in this scam is if they either earn a hell of a lot more than we do yeah, or if they borrow a hell of a lot more than we do. Okay. And okay. eventually this scam, think of it as, as a Ponzi scheme, right? This scam runs out of buyers. And that's what has happened now. Look, you can do it for a generation or two or three, but then eventually the expectation of the people on the top who are selling to get half a million quid for their house, right, crashes into the limitations of the people in the bottom whose income is 40 grand a year. And the only way in which you can actually... So I think we're in... I would say this this is a big cyclical pattern in Ireland. But all around the Western world. So let me just get this straight. So what you're saying is that the house prices have gone up so much that when you or I or our parents go to sell their house, that 
it's at a premium. And the first and even second time buyers. A third time buyers at yeah, this stage. Yeah. 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 Uh, can't afford to buy them. So, so it stops. So it stops. But that's when these cuckoo funds. Avian come, funds. Uh, pigeon uh, funds. I think we should call them pigeons. So they replace the first time buyers. Not only do they replace, they elbow them out. And that's what the political problem is, right? Right. Okay. So let's go back to the idea. Ireland's promise. You get on the property ladder. It's like getting on an escalator, right? Yeah. You get on it and just stand. And we just keep going up and up and up and up. And we will enrich you by virtue of the housing market. Yeah. That can only happen if you're creating at the bottom an income for a class of first-time buyers that is always rising. Now, you can maybe do that for one generation or maybe two generations. In fact, in Ireland, we did it for the last 30 years because mm. Irish incomes have been rising. So there was a consistency to the inconsistency. But now we're reaching a level where you can either have a property market that creates wealthy people at the end or a healthy first-time buyer's market, but you can't have both. Yeah, this is the inconsistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right? yeah. So therefore, the vulture funds mm. are coming in, what I would call it's late-stage, late-cycle nonsense, right? Okay, <laughs> right. so this is, this, imagine this is a big 30 or 40-year cycle all over the Western world. It's mm. not just here, but it's, it's particularly... Alarming here because our demographics are quite different, right? Yeah. So then you think, okay, how does this end? It ends by the entire system coming to a grinding halt because the first-time buyers and not just first-time buyers, as I said, second and third-time buyers, right, who are like maybe in their mid-30s, early 40s, wanted to sure, trade up. Sure, sure, yeah. They don't have the money. Mm. So at the end of these cycles, you get what I call desperation. Desperation is 30-year mortgage, 35-year mortgages, buy to let, equity Bonkers to let, stuff, all yeah. that stuff. All it's doing is taking the basic income and trying to amplify that as much as possible with debt. So you have, if you look, if you look at finance parlance, you've got a certain amount of equity and loads of debt sitting on top of it, yeah. right? So the equity is people's income and then you put debt on top of it. What that does, it's great for banks because banks make money out sure, of debt, yeah. right? But what it does is it condemns another generation to being hostage to the property market. And therefore, the governments who are hostage to electoral cycles and consequently hostage to the property market continue this idea of trying to keep the heist going. So it's like right. a scam at the desperate end. So where do you go from here? Like, what, what's the solution? Is there a solution? Yes. And now I come back to the idea of patient versus impatient capital, right? Right. So impatient capital is the capital that every quarter demands a return and is not only demands a return, but demands an increasing return. Anybody, yeah. anybody who understands risk will know there's risk and there's return. Yeah. If you keep demanding more and more return, you're putting on more and more risk. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah, the yeah, basic yeah, yeah. idea. Okay, right? get that, so yeah. think about that, right? So these guys, these impatient capitalists who are benchmarking themselves against all sorts of other ideas, right? They're demanding, 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 demanding a return. So that means there is no such thing as risk-free return. So it means that what's happening all the time is you're putting more and more risk. Now, that risk could be financial risk, yeah. but it also could be political risk, i.e. that the entire system crashes against a political party that says, you know what, we're not playing this game anymore. And oh, the, millennials, okay. the millennials revolt and say, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to vote with our feet. We're going to have a buyer strike. Or we're going to vote for a party that says, we don't want this anymore. Right. right, okay. And of course, there's financial risk, there's crashes and whatever. Mm. I happen to think that much more likely is we end up, the system 
the property system. And I took the whole thing because, you know, what's happening is developers love the idea of selling to one vulture fund. Well, because they easy, don't have to sell easy. 300 houses. Yeah, exa- exactly. Estate agents love it as well because estate agents can charge the same fee to one vulture fund. Yeah. Think about the amount of work they have to do or the same fee to 300 yeah. first-time buyers. Yeah. So paying yeah. the arse, right? Yeah. So the, what I'm saying is the property system is involved in this heist, right? It's not just the state or, or whatever. It's the whole apparatus. Eisenhower called it the military-industrial complex. Oh, yes. So yeah, we have yeah. we have what I would call the property financial complex, right? <laughs> okay, same idea. Yeah. But if you take out of the equation impatient capital and you replace it with patient capital, then we're in a totally different ballgame, right? So the reason all these house prices are going up, one of the reasons is the financial players demand return today. Yeah. Imagine saying to these people, you know what? We don't need you. This is the Joe Biden idea. We don't need you, right? Mm. We're going to, the Irish state is going to create the financing for property over the next 100 years. We're going to do what the Dutch did. You know, when the, I told you, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with Dutch finance. You are, yeah. But I'm just obsessed with <laughs> I've their... I've noticed this recently. But, but it's, it's, their, it's their cleverness when it comes to finance. Mm. It's their unwillingness to be beholden to gobshitery, right? We are beholden to gobshitery because people aren't sufficiently financially educated here. Okay. So any class of snake oil salesman can come in here and sell... No, nonsense to people. Imagine, and they do. And they do. Like the REITs. Mm. I mean, these, these snake oil stuff. It's like, it's pathetic stuff, right? So what the Dutch did during the 17th century is they realized two things were going on. One is that Holland was being hit by floods all the time because they live underwater. They're lowlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one. But number two, they couldn't figure out which villages were hit first, Right because of various different tides and whatever. Sure. So they said, we have to have a collective way of financing dikes and polders in order to prevent any flooding of the country. But we can't lumber one individual village with all the costs because the cost is going to be too great. So how do we figure this out? Well, we figure out we're going to issue bonds, long-term debt, and we're going to issue it collectively as a country, right? And that's how we're going to finance it. Because we know that no village is sufficiently rich to have the capital to build the dikes. Yeah. So the Dutch issued these, these ideas called perpetual bonds, which had no, you know, a time limit. They had no time limit. Talk right. about time limits. Right? Yeah. We can do the same thing. And what we've got to do is replace the impatient capital with long-term capital. So the state could say, okay, we need to build 40, 50,000 homes, whatever they may be, semi-detached, they might be apartments, what we've decided, right, per year. And in order to do that, we need to raise a billion euros. Just just pick it, right? And what we're going to do is, rather than have REITs and all these short-term shysters, we're going to issue a 100-year bond. So what that does is it takes away the obsession with quarterly returns and with making money. And what we're going to do is we're going to convert the property market into an accommodation market. So we're going to take away this idea that John and David can buy a house, wait until some, basically wait until the price goes up and sell it. We're going to take that all away. So that avenue towards wealth creation, what I call wealth distortion, it's not creation, because you're not creating anything. Yeah, sure. Right? Goes. So it's a totally different mindset. And what you do is you use the bond market to bully the vulture funds. 
which is quite nice because it means you're actually bullying them with finance, not with morals. So at the moment, you see, what happens in Ireland... How, how does that actually happen, though? I mean, very easily. Like, like, like what's the, the, what's this, the mechanism for we that? We have this big yoke called NAMA. Yeah. NAMA was capable of selling the assets for the country wholesale. Yeah. Use NAMA, the NTMA, NAMA, all these things to actually do the same thing. So, for example, when the Irish government wants to build a motorway, it issues, well, it, the Department of Transport says to the Department of Finance, we need 100 million to do this, yeah. and they issue a bond. Okay. So do the same thing for housing. Okay. It's exactly the same thing. Right. But you take out the landlords, you take out the speculation, you take out it all that. It really nonsense. simple. But it is really simple. <laughs> so if you think about it, like, if the Irish state said, okay, tomorrow we want to build a motorway, they're thinking of building a motorway, let's say from Dublin to Derry. Yeah. Right? Or as my father used to, used to call the, the, the motorway to Belfast, yeah. the Be Nice to Prods motorway. <laughs> so Billy said, oh, that's a great wee motorway now, Be Nice to Prods. That's <laughs> 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 true. That's what he said, right? So the Be Nice to Prods, there's another Be Nice to Prods motorway going up to Derry. Well, it's actually, it's not, it's been nice to Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. So how do we finance that? We issue a bond. And who and buys we, the bond? It doesn't matter who buys the bond. Anybody, you know, the market will no, buy No, but the is bond. it saleable? Is what of course, I mean. of course. You'd, you'd rate it at 1%, 2%, you just sell it. Right, okay. So rather than all this jiggery, see, remember I said at the start, there's two issues here. One is technical and one is philosophical. Yeah. The philosophical debate is about the intergenerational heist against younger people. Yeah. And being a good ancestor. That's the philosophy, right? The technicality has been made overly complicated by all these interventions, one of which was allowing in the vulture funds, yeah. bringing them in, having the first-time buyer's grant, having the equity to buy scheme and all this nonsense. Right? Yeah. They're just noise. They're just distortion. If you get to the simple analysis, you say, okay, how do we in this country finance motorways? We issue bonds. So how in this country should we finance houses? Issue bonds. Issue them for 100 years, take away all the bullshit noise and all the ridiculous little mm. funds and the pathetic creatures who populate that world and just in one fell swoop, fix it. And it's all doable. So the problem is, though, that the these vulture, cuckoo, avian funds... Avians! Are, ...are here. How do you get rid of them? You just tell them it's time to go. It's like being at a party. You open the door. Ladies and gentlemen, now, please, please time to go. Put on the national anthem. <laughs> right? A big F off national anthem, right? Put on the lights. Say, time to go. But you've you had the crack. You've had a laugh. You've been at the bar all day. We don't mind. You know, we yeah. opened our doors to you. But now, whoosh, and usher them out. Yeah. Little, yeah. little, sort of usher them all out. The, the dilemma is, and this is always the dilemma, in a small country like this, there are many, many snouts at the trough. Yeah. Imagine yes, little, little yeah. piggies, right? I know you like going to see the Leinster games. So, so, so think about the West Lower again. No. Right. And they influence all sorts of things here. But if we could have a clear-sighted politician or, you know, bureaucrat who said, look, it's simple. Here's the deal, right? We're confused because we've totally and utterly complicated the issue here. We need long-term financing in order to reduce the house prices, in order to give people certainty, yeah. in order to shift housing from an asset-based idea to an accommodation-based idea. What we need in Ireland, John, 
is a little less noise, a little bit of silence, and a little bit of analysis. And then it's all fixable. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now why I have you there again. Why not use the time when you're locked up to learn economics? Join me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Let's learn economics together. We have the economics course. Macroeconomics has never been as essential to understand. We have the Ask Mac tutorials every other week. We have Q&A. We've got the reading list. And more importantly, you become part of the community. If you have a question... If you've something that's going on, you want to ask me, join me on Patreon, email in, I will answer your question. But more importantly, it's ad-free. Just you and me and your man across the way. Hey. Patreon.com forward slash Dave McWilliams. And let's figure out the world together. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.